I love it here so much because it is the simple life and because I'm very, very lucky to be able to embrace that. Um, it is as a consequence of the pandemic that I'm here and I'm, I wouldn't have spent this time here. I wouldn't have been able to probably rent this house. I wouldn't be able to afford it in high season because it is a big house. It's, almost, it's not on the beach, but it looks over the sand dunes onto the beach. And it's very quiet. Um, there's no, uh, the only noise there is is that in the morning when the fishing boats are going out and you probably did hear something new and you, during the course of the interview you might hear there's a track there. Olá e bem-vindo. Welcome to The Simple Life, an insider's perspective into Portugal. We already know about Portugal's amazing weather, food and people. In this podcast, we go deeper and meet the real people who make this country so wonderful. Dylan, who has made his life in Portugal, shares an insider's perspective into what makes Portugal the unique, beautiful and amazing country that it is. Join him and his guests every week as they shed some light on the incredible people, culture, history and lifestyle that makes Portugal so appealing. A country where everyone feels like they belong. This podcast is sponsored by Portugal Realty. Welcome to The Simple Life. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Audrey Gillen. Audrey is originally from Scotland. She's an award-winning writer who wanders the world and tells stories. And her work has been featured in The Guardian, The Sunday Telegraph, The Herald, The Scotsman, The Washington Post, The London Review of Books, Esquire Magazine, The Los Angeles Times, and National Geographic. And a few months ago, Audrey changed her chaotic life in London for the quiet island of Armona on the eastern Algarve. And this is her story. Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Portugal, The Simple Life. And it's another first. We are joined by the first guest sitting on an island and the first guest wearing sunglasses in an interview because it's so bright. Audrey Gillen, uh, I'm really happy for you to join us. Thanks thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Dylan. Bon dia. Bon dia. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. I'm, uh, I'm on a very small island in the eastern Algarve called Armona. And I've been here since the 1st of November during um, the second confinement uh, in Portugal or what would be the third in my home country, the UK. So I feel very lucky to be here. I've spent the winter and the spring here. So it's been fantastic. Wonderful. It's a it's a beautiful beautiful island. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll get we'll get more into that as we go along. But uh, maybe you can start off by telling us a little bit about you. So I'm a freelance journalist and broadcaster. I have a background in uh, newspapers in the UK. I was latterly a senior reporter with the Guardian. I've worked in other newspapers. I've also worked on the Washington Post when I was a younger journalist. I won a fellowship to work there. Oh. And I took what we would call in the UK voluntary redundancy from The Guardian about 10 years ago and went off to try and be a screenwriter because I'd written a television drama about my time as an embedded journalist in the war in Iraq. And it was 
bought by one of our biggest biggest broadcasters in the UK, but after a year, unfortunately, it didn't get made. I went on to um, write another few screenplays and some radio dramas, but whilst I was doing that, I also started doing travel writing with a particular focus on food, which was uh, great because I got to travel the world and eat everything. So that was fantastic and is still fantastic. if the pandemic was not here and um, sort of slightly put the screen right into one side for a while. Okay. So let's talk about your island. Um, many people won't know about Armona. Uh, I know about it. It's a oh, it's such a beautiful part of the world right there on the, on the estuary on the Eastern Algarve, but tell us a little bit about where you are. So um, Armona is for, um, close to the old fishing town of Oliao. You come down to the um, jetty there and take a small ferry over to Armona. When you're coming over in the ferry from um, Oliao, you'll find that most people who live on the island have a Roser-style shopping trolley, or what I would call in uh, being Scottish, a granny trolley. And uh, that's filled with their supplies because there's um, three shops in the island, but obviously their stock is quite limited. And um, you come over and then when you get here, there are no cars. There's no, um, there's a few restaurants. There's no cars. There's just this path, the Pasadena, that goes down the middle of the island and then it stops. And that's almost kind of like possibly a mile And then from there, there's a wooden boardwalk down to the beach. So um, settled around the main um, pasadena that that cuts through the island are houses on either side, and then it kind of goes back a little bit. And these are mostly kind of low-style, one-level holiday houses. And so when I arrived, the the vast majority were shuttered up. There is a a small uh, community that stays here all all year round, which is a mix of Portuguese people and foreigners like me who've come to the island, fallen in love, um, bought a property generally, or, you know, like me, there's a few of us who came in the the pandemic and um, rented, you know, found a house that was closed up and spoke to someone and got it opened up and rented it. Amazing. Why, why have you fallen in love with this place? I fell in love with it before I came um, this time around. I fell in love with the Eastern Algarve about 10 years ago. Um, I'm very good friends with the Portuguese journalist and food writer called Celia Pedroso, um, who I first met when I came to Lisbon for the very first time. She lives in Lisbon and she now does food tours in Lisbon. And um, We came down here at the invitation of some British people who own a very nice, chic um, resort here. Hotel, it's not resort, hotel here, boutique hotel called Fazenda Nova. And um, it was interesting for us because her father uh, was an editor of a very, very famous magazine in the UK called The Face. It was a very kind of famous music and film and fashion, very, very trendy. And um, they had all this old collection of all these magazines and it was just like very funky. And we came down here, 
stayed in the hotel and we came to Olia and then we came to Armona. And from then I've just always said, so we must go back and rent a house in Armona. So I've been coming back and forward to Olia, coming to Armona for the day, but never really staying. And what happened was I had come, um, I had come here from London primarily because I had made a podcast, which is a series uh, for the BBC uh, called On the Ground. It was about my experience in the war in Iraq, um, but it was also an investigation of a particularly serious incident, which I'm not going to go into because this That's is okay. about the simple life not the traumatic life. <laughs> and um, I had been in London uh, during lockdown, living on my own in my small flat in Spitalfields, making this very traumatic, very hard work podcast. We came out of lockdown and we were allowed to kind of go around a little bit and had gone to Scotland. And then um, came back to London and it was becoming very clear to me that um, lockdown two was going to happen sooner rather than later and my family are from Scotland as you can hear and I wasn't going to be able to visit them in Scotland and I just really couldn't face you know another summer another lockdown in that flat but the the biggest issue was um there's a museum being constructed outside my window and so from you know dawn until dusk there's this massive you know grinding grinding noise blah blah, blah everything else so that was a real motivating factor to get out of there. And uh, I thought I would come to Oyal. And um, I rented a house for a month, but someone else was coming into that, that rental after me. So I asked around and I moved into a very, very beautiful house, um, which is owned by a, a, a British designer. Um, but after a few after a few days, I realised there was a building site next door and that the concrete mixer on the roof started at 7.30 in the morning. So one of the very biggest drivers away from London, one of the reasons I came here was for peace and quiet. It wasn't there. And so I looked into moving to the island and I did that on the 1st of November and it was um, the best decision that I could have made. Lots of people say to me, you know, um, why are you living there on your own? And why are you not coming over to Ollie House so much? And obviously, uh, one reason is because um, we had a, a confinement here and, you know, travel and everything. And so I did, I would only go once a week for shopping anyway. Um, but another reason is that... Um, I love it here so much because it is the simple life and because I'm very, very lucky to be able to embrace that. Um, it is as a consequence of the pandemic that I'm here and I'm, I wouldn't have spent this time here. I wouldn't have been able to probably rent this house. I wouldn't be able to afford it in high season because it is a big house. It's, on, it's not on the beach, but it looks over the sand dunes onto the beach. And it's very quiet. Um, there's no... Uh, the only noise there is is that in the morning when the fishing boats are going out and you probably did hear something you, and you, during the course of the interview you might hear there's a track there and little four by fours go up and down but not all the time. So there was a little uh, one from the camera, camera being the, the, the council, a green one and they're doing gardening and they just went past as we were talking. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. 
first of all, uh, yeah, I could hear that you're Scottish and I have a number of Scottish clients uh, out here. And uh, it's funny because whenever, whenever we have meetings with some of my Portuguese colleagues, um, they bring me along to translate, even though my clients are speaking English <laughs> because the accent is, uh, is a, it's a, it's a strong one. It's a strong one. Um, but the, um, the, the island, there's no cars, there's no construction. So, I mean, you, you definitely got the, the quiet life there. Sorry, there is construction. Oh, there is? Yeah, but it is right. just renovations of very small houses and it's not massive, but there's not construction where this house is. So I'm very lucky, but there is, and there's more now as, as families who own, and, and do remember some of these little old houses have been in families for decades. Yeah. As they kind of get ready for winter, ready for the summer season, which people are doing, or if they um, have sold it to someone else who's moving in. So there is there is some, but um, it's not next to me. So I'm I'm still I'm still in bliss. I hope saying this doesn't jinx it now. It shouldn't. I hope <laughs> not either. I can't get, I can't make any guarantees. <laughs> Um, Audrey, take us take us back to your your first um, sort of visits and experience of Portugal. Um, what was that like? What surprised you? What grabbed you? Um, take us back to to those times. Well, my first uh, visit with it was with a Scottish friend of mine, where we came to Lisbon for a long weekend, and uh, it would have been about twelve years ago, and. Um, We'd become friends with two people, Celia Pedroso, who I just mentioned, and Lucy Pepper, who's British, but um, has lived in Portugal for decades. And they came to meet us at the airport because we'd become friendly with them on Twitter. So that was the first indication of the warm-hearted, sort of kind nature of Portuguese people, or like Lucy, who's pretty much become Portuguese in that way of adopting all those amazing traits. And then um, we fell in, We both fell in love with Lisbon. Um, we hung out with them. They showed us the best of Lisbon. But then from there, I came back and forward and I stayed with Celia in her nice flat and, and we came down here. And um, so I spent a lot of time in Lisbon, but also having come down to the Eastern Algarve and seeing how different it was for me, um, how... The Riafermosa is incredibly special. Dylan, you know that. It's, um, it's a nature reserve. It's just so much bird life. People are clam picking. You know, it's, there's just little boats and it's just beautiful. And so I would, um, even if I could just come for a four-day weekend, I would, I would do it. And I've been doing that over the years since. So it's a, it's a, I mean, and then of course I've travelled all, all around Portugal, um, pre-pandemic, right, you know, writing about it. Plus, also over the last um, few years, maybe, um, maybe it was about three years ago. Now, I, um, I worked together with the Portuguese chef called Nuno Mensch, who okay. um, is a famous chef in London, but is now. Um, the executive chef, consultant chef at the newly refurbished Bairro Alto Hotel in Lisbon. And um, he did a book which was called Lisboeta of Lisbon. And also, as you know, a Lisboeta is a person 
who is from Lisbon. So it was a story of him being from Lisbon. It was a story of the city. And I was the, uh, the person who helped with, who helped with the writing of that. Um, so that meant that I spent, you know, I would come to Lisbon, I would rent an apartment, I would stay for a while and then go back to London, do some things and come back and forward. So my experience of Portugal is um, varied and it's not, mm. it's not short. Beautiful. Um, you, you mentioned that your, your, um, your friend Lucy has adopted some of those, those Portuguese customs and, and things. How has Portugal changed you, Audrey? Um, well, there's, thing, there, there's things about uh, Portuguese people that I think I have naturally anyway, because I'm from Glasgow. Lots of people think that um, Glaswegian people are like, Portuguese people are like Glaswegian people in the sunshine. That's what I've been told. It's a bit of a cliche, obviously, and, um, you know, it's a plot. You can't apply that across the board to everyone, but that's what I've been told. But, um I um, I, you know, I just I, I do I, I do think that having come from Glasgow, I'm sort of wo more warm towards meeting people when I first meet them than say people from other cultures and stuff. And that's what I find the the, the best about the Portuguese. Plus, also we like to say hello to people for no reason when we don't know them as well, and I love that. <laughs> I love that the day is punctuated by bon dia. Botard, Bonot, you know what time it is then, and um, and I love the fact that people people do it, and I think you know more so on the island, you know, no one no one would walk past you without saying it to you. That's true. I, I, I that was something that I learned when I first came that you 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 know if you walk into a little cafe and you don't say bon dia to everyone, you, 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 it's not it's not the way to do things. You have to you have to greet, you have to say hello, and people will greet without without any reason. So yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful part of the the culture. Uh, Audrey, your your, do you want to just tell us a little bit about some of the the articles that you've written about Portugal? I know you've done some work with uh, National Geo and um, and the Guardian, and that's actually how I came into contact with you was because of your article about uh, being locked down uh, in the on the island. Um, so just tell us a little bit about some of those pieces that you've that you've written. Well, the one that you just spoke about is one of the pieces that I've had the most. You know, apart from, you know, being embedded in the war in Iraq and then the podcast that I did about that, where people were, you know, writing to me about that very passionately, people responded to me writing about my time on the island so well. Now, I, as a journalist, um, very often shy away from writing in the first person. I was brought up as a pretty hardcore journalist and I reported on, you know, terrible murders and war and everything else. And I also don't really, I'm not really that interested in, you know, exposing the inner workings of me. And yet, um, when I sat down, at the, the Guardian travel editor asked me to write that. And when I sat down to write it, it just flowed and telling the story of, you know, leaving London, running away from the noise and going to Oliao and, and then running away from the noise there and trying to explain that I wasn't breaking the rules when I did it because we were allowed to travel at that point. But also trying to say, you know, I do feel guilty 
not use the word living in paradise because uh, it is paradise, but like it just that just annoys people. And trying to um, strike up a balance of, yes, I'm very, very lucky to be here. It was a bit of an accident, but also acknowledge that, you know, people are going through hell at the moment. And also saying, you know, it's not all easy. It's not, all, I mean, I'm sitting with my sunglasses on and I'm sitting with my sunglasses on because it's very sunny. Plus also I've got an allergy and I don't want you to see my puffy eyes. But like, you know, you do get lonely and everything else, but um, there's so many mitigating factors of making this a very, very good experience for me and very, very helpful for my mental health, which I don't, I wouldn't like to say what that would have been like had I um, remained in the small flat in Spitalfields. And the reaction to all of that and me, you know, explaining about myself, but then going in to introduce people to some of the characters on the island, like um, this, is a, this is the second house that I've rented, but in the first house there was a neighbour who lives in a shack at, at the back and he'd come down every day and he would um, take water from the tap in the house next to the one I was in, um, owned by the same people. And then also when the tide was out, he would empty his um, bucket. I'll leave it to the imagination what was in the bucket. Um, and then yeah. there became a sort of nice exchange where he would give me um, sardines and, you know, this and that, and I would give him things and you know I asked him if he wanted soup and he said that no soup was for babies and then in, um Christmas Eve which is obviously more important to Portuguese people than Christmas Day he brought me an old coffee jar which he'd filled with sand and he'd put like branches of a pine tree in it and then he's got gold mo uh, gold milk bottle tops and put thread through them and um hung them on with yellow flowers and cotton wool snow. Now, I am going to be very honest with you, Dylan, and say that um, in my head, he made that. The greater likelihood is that somebody else gave it to him and he decided to give it to me. But in my head, he made it for me. And so when he gave me it, I burst into tears. Mm. <laughs> So um, and yeah, so people loved that, and they loved they loved the the some of the characters in the island. But me also saying, you know, like, I've come here on my own, but yeah, I've made friends. Beautiful. I mean, I mean, one of the things that I love that I love here um, is how there is this sort of it truly is there is a, a, a true melting pot in Portugal where somehow different cultures, different nationalities, along with local Portuguese people, just somehow managed to all get along. Mm. And, and that's something that you've, that you've alluded to and, and mentioned on the, on, the, on the island as well. Has that been your, your experience? Oh, absolutely. So um, the people that owned the house that I rented before were from Belgium. The woman that owns this house is Dutch. My neighbor's Dutch. Um, my island mother... Uh, the woman who's adopted me, Pam Pardo, um, she owns a restaurant at the ferry side of the island called Armona Four with her husband, who's Portuguese, Zé Pardo. 
Uh, she's British, so there's Brit there's just British people and all of that, but also Portuguese people. You know, there's um, one of the guys who goes by on a four by four every day just waves at me every single time he comes past. So it's a great it's a great community. I mean, obviously for me, it's um, it's a real shame that my Portuguese hasn't really improved, and that's I'm blaming lockdown for that and not laziness. Um, because, you know, I'm not sitting, you were, we, we weren't allowed to socialise. I wasn't sitting trying to talk to Portuguese people and, you know, anyone that I was talking to was speaking English. But um, obviously there's sort of like groups of friends who, who are mixed Portuguese and, you know, these British people and all of that. So it's, there is a lovely mix on the island. And then, of course, in summer, um, it must be kind of crazy with all the, you know, the island is full um, and it's all nationalities and all the Portuguese people would be coming back to their houses or their families would be, you know, coming and all of that. So it must be fun. I mean, you, 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 you spoke about in the article how this was really sort of a last minute thing and you met, you know, a lot of it is by chance that you've ended up there. But there's so much warmth in the way you write. You spoke about how it flowed, um, how it just flowed for you when you when you wrote in the first person. You, you can see the reaction. People have responded to this because there is this warmth in in the way that you write about your experience. Because for me, it just sounds it just sounds to me like this is more than just um, a temporary thing that's happened. It's it, it the way that you write. It sounds like your home. Well. Um, did I t did I tell you that I've got my application in for residency? No. Okay. So um, it's more complicated because of uh, Brexit, which I'll just be very clear. I I, I was not in favour of. Sure. Um, and so being here before the 31st of December, British, peoples who were, British people who were here and can prove that they were here and wish to apply for residency can. Um, I should have done it, Dylan, before the 31st of December, but my head, my head wasn't quite in that space. Mm -hmm. And now the uh, procedure has completely changed and um, there's a backlog because of, um, you know, because of the pandemic. <laughs> Uh, but they, they haven't actually, there's a backlog and also they haven't revealed what the process is, but my application is in with Seth. And uh, whilst I have to leave this house on the 15th of May, I'm staying in Portugal, I'm going to go on the road and do some stories and hang around until Seth tells people like me what to do. So um, things for me have completely changed, which is that I've come here and I thought I don't want a life anymore. So, uh, and I certainly don't want to live in that flat in London. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, Audrey, you've, I mean, you've done, you've done um, some interesting stories. Uh, you mentioned the, the um, being in, I think, was it Iraq or Iran? Sorry. Uh, Iraq. You, Iraq. Um, you've been all over the world with your work. You've traveled also with food journalism, things like that. I want to come back to the food because that's always a, a favorite uh, subject on the podcast. But what do you think makes Portugal uh, special and unique and different to, to a lot of these places that you've traveled throughout the world? Well, it's got, I mean, 
it's a it's not a large country, but it's a it's geographically diverse. It's got vibrant cities, um, great coastal areas. It's um, you know I think it's history that it was um, an Atlantic facing country which battling was pretty much landlocked at the back. And yet this very, very tiny country built ships and went off around the world. Now we, we, we do know, um, and we're not going to hide the fact that it was also a really bad thing in the sense of the colonialism and the people, the slavery and the people that died. But culturally it did make this tiny little country develop in terms of flavor and culture and you know, style and everything else in, in ways that it wouldn't have had it not ventured out. It would have been a sort of pretty backward place. It's, um, it's history means that it, it was a very dark place for a very long time under Salazar. And um, it's a fascinating place to be, to watch this sort of rebirth from, you know, from poverty and, and political... Um, you know, where the, pop, where, where the people were not allowed to sort of have a joyful life. Um, it, you know, the, the country is waking up from a slumber over the last, you know, 15 years. And that, that you know, that's amazing. And um, Portuguese people to me are really kind of warm and open. And I love the food and I love the wine. Okay, so you took us there. You took us to food and wine. You've done some food journalism. I mean, what's special about the food? What's special about the wine? Well, firstly, um, so you've got the Atlantic, and then you've got the Terra, the Serra, the mountains, and also the Baracal. So you have the most amazing seafood, which has just been caught, particularly, you know, if you're somewhere like where I am, which is just next to Oyo, um, with an incredible fish and seafood market. But also cities like Lisbon are, okay, it's on the, on the, on the River Tages, but the sea is just there. And that fish is coming in so fresh and so diverse. And the seafood is just incredible that that makes it, you know, other countries import a lot of seafood in Europe, but um, the Portuguese have so much great stuff of their own. The produce is incredible, the, the, the fresh vegetables, the, you know, the tomatoes, the oranges, everything. So the produce is, is incredible. But ultimately, it's also a cooking style that's quite simple. Um, a, lot, a, a lot of that based on... Um, you know, a lack of, uh, not resources, but a lack of money and therefore um, ingredients were stretched out. And so you will see, you know, a sorda, which is kind of pretty much old reconstituted bread uh, with some, a little bit of olive oil or whatever, you know, things are really eked out. So that element of simplicity of the food, um, you know, people think, oh, Spanish food is better than Portuguese food. It's just that it's much more simple here um, and just as good. Lovely. Um, 
you mentioned that you're going to be traveling around a little bit, um, writing a few stories, seeing a bit more of the country. Where are you off to? What have you got planned? My first trip is uh, to, to Porto. Um, I will be going up there in May and I'll be doing a piece for National Geographic Traveller and that's like a city guide, but it's primarily um, food focused, but I will be doing other activities. Um, I have a meeting uh, tomorrow with the Azores tourist office, but potentially going to the Azores. I've never mm. been there. I've been to Porto before, um, never the Azores. And um, I will spend some time in Lisbon and I'm just looking for other ideas for stories. Um, I've sp- I spent about a week a few years ago driving around the Alentejo. I loved it there. But there are areas that I haven't, that are on my mind that I haven't been yet. But I mean, I can't, I can't stay forever, um, but I can stay until I know what's happening with my residency. And then I can go home and sort my life out and come back. You can stay forever. It's fine. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Well, you there's some the paperwork. I can't help with the paperwork. <laughs> I'll be a witness. <laughs> no, I, there's so many places. It's it's what makes this place so special. You you can go. I mean, we were just we just did it on the weekend. We we drove an hour, um, and we were in a place that doesn't even look like Portugal. You know, it was just. Or about it didn't even look like our part of Portugal. So there's just so many places that are so diverse and so different. And uh, yeah, it's just a great place to explore. So I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll you'll find plenty of surprises along the way. Mm. Should be good. Um, Audrey, I mean, um, how can can people stay in touch with what you're doing and your work and, and follow you online? So I have my own website, which is audreygillen.com, and Gillen is spelled G-I-L-L-A-N. I am on Twitter, Audrey Gillen. I am on Instagram, Audrey Gillen. I have um, a podcast available to listen to, which is the one I told you about, about being in Iraq. It's a nine-part series. It is available on all good podcast hosting Networks such as Apple and um, Spotify and whatever else, I can't remember where. <laughs> Half the podcast place is called On the Ground. I have another one um, called Tara and George, which is also quite hard work, which is about, um, it's where I made a podcast with two homeless people living around the corner from me in Spitalfields, and I spent two years talking to them, sitting on the ground, in the rain, talking to them. So so um, there's another contrast. In the middle of winter, just sitting on the pavement, talking to two homeless people. So that was pretty hard work. So um, I do realise that sitting here where I can see the sea from the window is really blessed. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody knows about the weather in, in Portugal. Um uh, it's always easy to compare summers, but I mean, compare winters for your winter compared to a winter here. Yeah. Someone's coming in the door. Hello. Hi, sweetheart. I'm, I'm here, but I'm doing a, a podcast interview. Sorry, Dylan. 
This is for you. Are you, we're nearly finished. Where are you going? Sorry. Can you, can you, or do you want me to explain who that was? Yeah, you can tell us what happened. It, it sounds like somebody just left something for you. Yeah, I'm very sorry. Um, so in the story that I wrote, one of the, one of the characters in the story that I wrote was Ulrika. Ulrika lives here on the island on her own as well. And um, she left India in, okay. uh, because of the pandemic as well, but where she wow. lives in a very, very small village. And she works, she has her own charity and she built a skate park in the middle of nowhere for these really deprived kids in this small village. And um, she like teaches the, 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 the kids learn that they can skate, but they're, they're also taught that um, if they don't go to school, they don't get to skate. So she's pretty incredible, but she also has a massive background in, in, in tech and she was like a tech pioneer. And she came, traveled around a bit in Portugal and, and came to the island. And she's been away for a couple of days doing an interview with some sailors. So that was her just turning up. She's obviously brought me something back from her trip. But she's, she's like my friend that we go for walks. So she's just come back and put that in there. And, and she, I, you know, I have to say, I should have told her I was doing this. I had some notion in my head that she might come in and interrupt. But actually, that was all part of the color of being here on the island, isn't it? Yeah, that's okay. We're going to leave that. We're going to leave that part in. Um, okay. <laughs> Audrey, um, I'm going to, I'd like, I'll, I'll put links in the, in the show notes of the podcast so that people can follow you. Um, all those places. I'm also going to leave links to the, the articles you've written, um, especially the one for the guardian and, and what you've written in the net geo so that um, people can read uh, some of those beautiful pieces that you've written about, about Portugal. Um, and then people will be able to follow everything that you're doing and hopefully the, the future, the future uh, projects as well. So we're excited to, to see what, what comes next. Um, but uh, a question that we ask all of our guests, Portugal, the simple life, why? Well, I just explained about the simple, the, the simplicity of food, the purity of food, the seafood. Um, the people, they are, you know, they're just very easy to get on with. And then, you know, I am sitting on this very, very simple island where I have been living the simple life since November. And um, whilst that may well have been the uh, coldest winter in the Algarve in 10 years, um, for me, um, the weather has still been incredible. So everything about it, but that simplicity of um, people, food, culture, I mean, the sorry, the culture isn't simple. Um, all appeals to me. The only thing that really isn't simple is the language. Give it time, give it time. Okay. You might get, I'm sure you'll pick it up as you go. Wonderful. Audrey, I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much. Um, please enjoy the rest of your time. I hope um, you can stay in touch. If you're ever up around Obidos area, there's lots of history and culture here that I'm sure you'd enjoy. Uh, let me know and, okay. uh, and we can meet. But um, okay. for, for now, I'm going to let you call it. Okay. Muito obrigado, Dylan. That's a wrap.
So thank you once again to Audrey and thank you to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, give us a thumbs up and please leave a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as we say in Portugal, um abraço. Welcome to the simple life.